Hello and welcome to the Old Time Radio Forever broadcast. I'm your host, Matt Perry. Join us weekly as we explore the golden era of American radio through the dramas, westerns, mysteries, and comedies that shaped the golden age. Be sure to give us a thumbs up or a five-star review on all of the podcast directories that you may use. This week on Old Time Radio Forever, we head west, the great American West, for two fantastic westerns of the golden era of radio. First up, we have James Stewart as Britt Ponsett, also known as The Six Shooter. It's rare that a radio program that only lasts one season could leave an indelible mark on the entertainment landscape, but that is exactly what the Six Shooter did. Airing on NBC from 1953 and 54 season, James Stewart played the title character, Britt Ponsett, a loner of the Old West, a gunman, but not a gunman for hire. It's ambiguous what Britt Ponsett did for a living. He was feared, but also respected. This was the boom of the Western entertainment industry. The 1950s was home to some of the greatest Western movies ever made and Western radio programs and television shows. Stewart also starred in many films during the 1950s with the critically acclaimed collaborations with director Anthony Mann, including Winchester 73, my personal favorite, Bend of the River, 1953's Naked Spur, 1954's The Far Country, and 1955's The Man from Laramie. The characters all seem to have, for the most part, something in common with Mr. Ponsett. The six-shooter was calm, but cold and calculating when somebody crossed him. The exact type of Western hero that young people and old alike flocked to in the post-war years. In tonight's episode, we have Britt Ponsett dealing with a gold strike, and it comes from January the 10th, 1954, Hiram's Gold Strike, on Old Time Radio Forever. In a moment, you will hear James Stewart as the six-shooter, just one of the many fine programs brought to you Sundays on NBC. Later this evening, listen to the NBC Star Playhouse with one of your favorite stars. Here, meet the press, America's number one newsmaking program, and be sure to keep tuned for the dramatic story of communism in America on Last Man Out. It's a wonderful lineup of great programs, all of them heard only on NBC. James Stewart as... The Six Shooter. The man in the saddle is angular and long-legged. His skin is sun-dyed brown. The gun in his holster is gray steel and rainbow mother of pearl. Its handle, unmarked. People call them both The Six Shooter. The NBC Radio Network presents James Stewart as The Six Shooter, a transcribed series of radio dramas based on the life of Britt Ponsett, the Texas plainsman who wandered through the Western territories, leaving behind 
a trail of still-remembered legends. about four o'clock in the afternoon when I rode out of the Saucer Mountains and hit the flat and Scar stretched his legs and went into a high lope. Oh, he seemed real anxious to get across the eight miles of prairie between the hills and Clay City. Oh, easy, boy. Easy now. Hey, what's your rush? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe he was hungry. Maybe he was thirsty or maybe... Oh, no. No, no. It couldn't be that. Why, it was over six months since our last visit at Clay City. Scar couldn't still be remembering the filly from the livery stable. Not after all that time, no. Besides, horses don't have memories, at least not as good as... Now, 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 you just slow down, boy. Now, quit. Well, there wasn't anything I could do except just keep a tight rein on him, I guess. That sure was spurring Scar along. Whatever it was, it was important. At least it was to him. Well, we'd covered about half the distance to town when I noticed a couple of dark specks, oh, maybe a mile or so ahead of us. And the way they were shaped and the way they were barely moving, well, they just about had to be packed burrows. But it wasn't until we almost caught up that I spotted Hiram. And he was beating one of those burrows with a cottonwood switch and giving us such a cuss that he didn't even hear us riding up toward him. Easy, oh, Scar. Easy, no. You start traveling, I'll set fire to you. And I don't... I'm not fooling. I'm warning you. I'll give you such a burning that you won't be able to... Hello, <laughs> oh, I am. Would you come... Oh, Britt, for a second there, you kind of startled me. What? I didn't know you was on my tail. Uh, the burrs been acting up, Hiram? Oh, they're just being themselves, Britt. No. That's the trouble, they're just being themselves. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I sure know what you mean. Where you heading, Clay City? That's right. I heard you was riding herd for the Circle G. Last time I was in getting some supplies, you told me. Are you going to town on business? No, no. The ranch gave me a day off. Tomorrow being 4th of July. 4th of July? Well, I'll be cussing. 4th of July. I haven't been out in the hills so long, I lost all track of time. I didn't even know what month it was. <laughs> Not for certain. <laughs> oh, see, I'm going to do a little celebrating. Eh? Well, I just thought... Yeah, I'd... come to think of it, uh, I got me something to celebrate, too. <laughs> it's more than just Independence Day, but... It's a downside, Mark. Is that so? Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. At least critters don't stop balking. It'll be Christmas before we ever get to Clay City. <laughs> All right, Pierre. Come on, start moving. Come on, come on, come on. Yeah, that's it. Now, you too, Yvette. Both of you. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Hey, <laughs> what was that you called him, Hiram? Huh? Yeah, what's that? Well, uh, it sounded like Pierre. Oh, sure, it? sure, 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 sure. Yeah. Hey, that's your name, Pierre and Yvette. Oh, no. Well, what's the matter? They're perfectly respectable names. <laughs> I seen a show once in Denver called the Paris Review. That was the title of it, from Paris, France. And there was a couple of dancers. Well, sir, if they didn't put on a jig, I'm telling you, Vic, it sure was something. The fella, he just picked up this girl and he threw every which way. <laughs> I thought she was going to land right in my lap. Oh, oh you did. Yeah, yes, yeah. that's the truth. Everywhere. And this here girl danced with him. She kept coming back for more, like she enjoyed being used for a lasso. <laughs> yes, Pierre and Yvette. That's what they was called. It was on a sign out in front of the Tabor Grand Opera House. Uh, those names always kind of stuck with me. So when I bought these birds, well... You know bears, they ain't very particular about what you call them. No. <laughs> now, you just keep moving, Pierre. Come on, keep moving. Yeah, That's uh, 
quite a load you're carrying there, Harm. Huh? Yeah, sure is. Well, <laughs> well, I guess I'll ride on. Maybe see you in town, huh? Uh, hold up a minute, Brett. Uh, ain't you going to ask me what's in them bags? Well, no, I... Just figured it wasn't any of my business. Well, I'm going to tell you anyhow. Uh-huh. Yeah, if I don't tell somebody, I'll bust. Besides, I, I, I knew I can trust you. Hmm? Yeah, you're up here. Whatever, whatever, whatever. Britt, I've struck it. I've made a strike the life of which I never even dreamed of. Oh, easy, easy, Scott. Look at now. You see, uh-huh. you see this here sack right here? Yeah. This one right here. If it don't assay out to over a thousand dollars, a thousand dollars—that ain't the half of it. There's plenty more where this come from. Well, that sure sounds good. It huh? is good. Well, I just bet the vein I find it delivers more gold in a year than they ever took out of California. Is that so? Well, you sure are entitled to a strike, Hiram. You've been prospecting for quite a spell. Yeah, right? sure have. Forty-five years, but yeah. forty-five years come winter. But I ain't got no regrets. Not now, I ain't. I told him in Clay City. I told him all it was gold in the Saucer Mountains. Oh, I could smell it. Just the way my birds sniff water. But they wouldn't listen. No, they said old Hiram was catched. That I'd never find nothing but yellow-colored rocks. <laughs> yeah. Well, start singing a different song now. Oh, you're, you're, you're sure it's gold, you found. Oh, you think I don't know it when I see it? <laughs> you mark my words. Old Hiram has turned up the real thing. Of course, you, you mustn't let the news out. Oh. Not until after I get my assay report and file my claim. Oh, sure, sure. <laughs> uh, but... I just wish there was some other assay office around here. What's that? Well, that Enoch Wilson, he wouldn't know a gold nugget from a tea kettle. And what's more, I don't trust him. I don't trust him a bit. Well, no, I am. Some of the samples I brought him in before looked mighty good to me, but not to Enoch. I don't think he even tested him. Now, just let him try to say that this batch is worth it. Yeah, just let him try to say that. I don't know what's the matter with Scar. He sure is restless. Well, then you go on ahead, Britt. Just go on ahead. Well, I guess I might as well. Easy, boy. Easy. I hope everything works out the way you expect, huh? Don't you worry yourself about that. Well, well nice run into you. Mutual, Britt. Mutual. All righty, Dad. Come on, come on, come on. You can't eat that cactus. Get your nose out of there. I'll give you a taste of something. Of course, that's just going down when we got to Clay City. I figured on stopping at the hotel first, making sure of a bed, but Scar had other ideas. He headed right straight for the livery stable. There just wasn't any doubt about it. He'd remembered that filly. Yes, sir. And and mind you, I'm not saying that a horse can really get a disappointed expression on his face, but I'll tell you this much. Scar gave a pretty good imitation of it when he saw a big roan stallion occupying what had been that filly's stall. Well, I left him there anyway, and I got myself supper in a room. And about nine o'clock, I started feeling sleepy, you know. Oh, I just pulled off my boots. Oh, yeah. God, a man sure does get tired and stays up late. Holy smoke, what's that? Well, those shots right outside my window. I, I grabbed my gun, and I... Oh, and then I saw I wouldn't be needing the gun. <laughs> a couple of kids shooting off Chinese firecrackers. Well, it didn't look like I was going to get much sleep that night. And the way things worked out, I sure didn't. Well, well yeah? Who is it? Hiram Britt. I got to talk to you. It's 
important. Well, come on in. Oh, thanks, Britt. Thank you. Thank you. What's the matter? What's the matter? You look like you're getting ready for a real hard winter. Enoch Wilson. That's what's the matter. Remember, Britt, I told you I didn't trust him? Do you remember that when he yeah, said that? Yes, yeah. but I got me some proof. What's in college? Oh, it's, it's just, uh, just some firecrackers, Hyman. Enoch, he... What, he says you haven't found gold? No, huh? no, 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 no. He ain't said nothing one way or the other. But by the time I got the birds into town tonight, it was almost 7 o'clock. Enoch was just closing up the assay office. Uh-huh. But I gave him them sacks of gold, you see. And I said I wanted a report as soon as possible. And you know what he told me? Oh, I can't say as I do at all. Friday. He says I couldn't have no word because... He says I couldn't have no word before late Friday. Why, Britt, that's two days off. Well, tomorrow being a holiday. Well, that's the excuse he tried to hand me to. Oh, that lion skunk. Oh, no, no, You know, the 4th of July is a pretty important occasion. Well, that don't give him the right to tell me a whole pack of lies, does it? No, well, no, no, of course, of course it not. No. No. Anyhow, I had to leave my gold with him. I didn't have no choice. So I got me a bowl of Irish beef stew over to O'Brien's Cafe, and then I went back to see about the burrows. Uh, and that's when I noticed the light in Enoch's office. Oh, uh-huh. Yeah, so naturally, I was kind of suspicious, so I snuck up and I peeked through the window. You know what I saw, Brad? I haven't the faintest idea. He was sitting at the desk, Enoch himself, getting ready to do some assaying. And if those weren't my three sacks of gold in front of him, I'll trade you a whole hog for a slice of bacon. That's what I'll do. Well, supposing Enoch was testing your oil, that doesn't prove anything. Don't you see, Brad? He's fixing to take my oil for himself. And once he makes up his mind how valuable it is, he'll do a little substituting. And I'll wind up with three bags of rocks when I come in to see him on Friday. Oh, now. Probably man. aims to find out where I got it, too. Oh, yes. File the claim himself. No, now, that doesn't sound very then likely. Then why did he say it'd be Friday before he'd know anything? Why did he tell me that if he was planning to work tonight? Well, if you're so upset about it, you should have just come right straight out and asked him. I'm going to ask you, Britt. That's just what I'm going to do. I'm going to ask him, but... But I want you there when I confront him. Me? Enoch's already lied to me once today. But if you're with me, if he sees you're my friend, <laughs> maybe he'll think twice before he tries anything funny. Eh? Maybe I'll get a decent assay for a change. Well, I'm afraid I don't understand where I come in. This Enoch thing. knows you, don't he? Knows that you're the six-shooter? Well, we've met up a couple of times. Yes, then. well, come on then. But let's get over there while we can catch him well, red-handed. Well, wait a minute. Now, hold on. Brent, you know how much this strike means to me. You ain't going to let anybody swindle me out of it. No, no, no. We ain't got all night. All right, all right. Just give me a chance to tuck in my shirt tail. You see the light, Britt? He's still here. Now, you just remember one thing, Hiram. This wasn't my idea. Sure, Remember sure, that. Sure, sure, sure. Who is it? What do you want? Hiram Garver. That's who it is. And Britt Ponce is with me, too. So you better get this door open. No, Hiram. You, just remember. Howdy, Britt. What's the trouble? Well, I, uh... There you are, Britt. There you are. There. You see right there? See? Them are my socks. Of course they're your sacks, you see, Hiram. You see, he denied it, either. Hiram, are you going loco or something? I'll do the asking, Enoch. You'll do the answering from now on. And you better not lie in front of Britt Pines, either. Huh? I thought you said you wasn't going to be able to assay this horror before Friday. What if I did? It appears like you changed your mind, doesn't it? 
Well, Britt wants to know the reason. Well, it was just that you were kind of anxious, that's all. And your stuff did look a little more promising than usual. Hey, what did I tell you, Britt? Yeah, what did I tell you? Yeah, he knew it was good. <laughs> I said it looked promising, huh? Promising enough so you try to cheat me out of it, eh? Well, you're not getting near the D-Mac. The six-shooter here will see to that. Now, now, just hold on. I'm Grover. I ought to throw you right out of my office. If I was trying to cheat you, would I have sent word for you to stop in tomorrow morning for the parade and get your assay report? You just... You did. You sent word? You just asked Mike O'Brien. I was over at his cafe looking for you. You'd already left, though. I told him if he saw you, to give you the message. You... You told Mike? Well, Hiram? Well, doggone it, Bill. How was I to know? You think he might have stumbled into something, Enoch? Real strike? Well, ain't part of it yet, Britt, but... Some of the samples are mighty encouraging. A couple more tests. Evening, gentlemen. Who, 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 who are you? Well, turn around. Just grab for some air. All three of you. Well, no, you come just on, wait a minute. Do I'm... a little stretching before we... That's better. It was real considerate of you to stay open tonight, mister. Saved us the trouble of breaking it. All right, then. Let's start loading up. We'll return to James Stewart as the six-shooter in just a moment. Our religious institutions are strongholds of the American way of life. Our country was founded by men who had faith in God and who were willing to endure hardship and sacrifice for the sake of that faith. Today, the religious institutions in your community need your interest and support, so take an active part in religious affairs. Your pastor, rabbi, or priest will give you invaluable family counsel and aid if you are a newcomer to the community. To face the problems of the future, America must be morally strong. And that moral strength comes through worship and faith. Go to church this week and take someone with you. Now, Act Two of The Six Shooter. Starring James Stewart as Britt Ponsett. Guys in leather jackets, both carrying 45s. They're about the same build, same color, and look enough like to be brothers. They hadn't bothered covering their faces. That meant that they weren't worrying about being recognized. Probably didn't come from Clay City. The tall one gave most of the orders. Who's running this office? Will somebody speak up? I, 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 I do the assaying. That's more like it. And you'd be the fellow who'd know how to open this safe. Well, uh, ain't really nothing worth... Cut out the stalling, mister. Get over here. Move! Oh, okay, okay, okay. You know, he didn't have much choice. So he bent down in front of the cast iron safe and started fiddling with the dial... The other outlaw, the short one, he was standing beside the desk. He reached out his free hand. He picked up one of Hiram's ore sacks. Well, here's something, man. Feels pretty heavy, too. You let that alone, mister. All right, take it easy. That there ore belongs to me. You ain't got no right to it. Guess you don't hear so good. I told you to take it easy. You think you can bully me just because you're holding a forty-five? No, Hiram. Yeah, you've got another thing coming, young fella. I spent most of my life hunting that gold. And you ain't gonna walk in here and swipe it. 
You just let it be. Uh, the next thing I, I knew, Hiram gave a leap forward. I tried to stop him, but it was too late. For a second, he just kept on moving. Oh, a step or two. And his legs buckled and he grabbed the edge of the desk. But his fingers couldn't hold the grip. Both the outlaws were staring at Hiram. They weren't watching me. Get down, Enoch. My bullet hit the short one in the arm. The gun flew halfway across the office. And the other one spun around and knocked over the kerosene lamp. I got off a second shot. It was so dark, I wasn't sure I'd hit anything or not. For a couple of minutes, there wasn't a sound. Nothing but heavy breathing. I stretched out my hand, and I felt a chair. I waited a second, and then I, I gave it a good hard push. Sure had good ears. The bullet splintered into the chair before it even toppled over. But the flash of his gun showed me where he was. Crouched right behind the safe, out of range. I edged over to the right. If I could just get past the window without him seeing me. I made a dot and fired. <laughs> Enoch lit up another lamp. The boy that was shot in the arm, he hadn't passed out. He was just lying there, staring at me. Looking even younger than he had when he first came into the office. The other fellow, he'd taken a bullet in the shoulder and he was bleeding pretty bad. But Hiram, he was worse off than either of them. He was flat on his back, gasping for breath. There was a big red splotch on his chest and his mouth was covered with sort of a pink foam like. It's a good thing Doc Nibble's house was in the next block. <laughs> Doc? Oh. Yeah, it's too early to tell anything yet, Bert. I got the bullet out, and it's still hemorrhaging. I see. Them other two. They'll be as good as ever in a week or so. Good enough for a hanging if Hiram don't pull through. Oh, no, no. He's just got to pull through, Doc. He's an old man, Bert. You've seen fellas a lot younger. Yeah. Well, you better get yourself some rest. Almost 4 a.m. Well, I, I thought maybe... Well, I, I... there's nothing you can do here. Ain't a chance of him coming to before morning. I, I was standing right beside him when it happened. I could have drawn, maybe, and then... Uh, I... Maybe then you'd both be shut up. And I'll see you in the morning, Bridge. Well, I went back to the hotel, but I just couldn't sleep. I... Around about 6.30, I gave up trying. I figured it was too soon to find out how Hiram was doing, so I went for a little walk around town. I wasn't very hungry, but as long as Mike's Cafe was open, I thought I just might as well stop in for a cup of coffee. And I was just going through the door when Enoch Wilson came up running. Brick! Yeah, yeah. Good morning, Enoch. I was hoping I'd run into you. Stopped by the hotel, but they said you was out. Yeah, I started looking the town over. I uh, just left Hiram. Oh, well, he's 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 not. No, 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 no. It sure don't look good. Oh. Doc Nibble says he's got a good, strong constitution for a man his age. He'd have a pretty fair chance, but 
I just don't seem to have any fight left in him. Ain't even trying to live. Well, has he come to? Yeah, about, about an hour ago. I happened to be there. You see, I went back to the office after that gunfight last night and finished up Hiram's assay. Oh? Well, I thought maybe if it turned out to be something good, well, I, I wanted Hiram to, to know about it before he... Oh, yeah, well, that was mighty thoughtful of you, Enoch. Yeah, and it is good, Britt. Real strike. Well, well, didn't you tell Hiram? Oh, sure, sure. I, uh, but, but it, well, it didn't seem to make no difference to him. He, he just nodded and sort of dozed off like he didn't even care. Is that so? The doc don't understand it neither. He'd think, if anything, it'd make him want to live, knowing he'd found gold sure turn the trick yeah yeah you sure would maybe he figures i'm lying to him because he's so bad off uh-huh well i guess it could be that yeah, yeah yeah so so we thought uh doc and me uh we thought well uh maybe if he is to hear it from from you well uh, oh sure sure you know i'll i'll go right over there sure How you feeling? Oh, oh pretty good, Ben. Pretty good. Oh, well, that doc says you're going to be all right real soon, too. Yes, yes, yes. Sure, sure. Of course, you've got to help him along some, you know. He can't cure you single-handed, you know. Oh, don't. It don't matter, Brad. Just don't matter. Oh, now, what are you talking about, Hiram? Well, I figured you'd be jumping up and down, fighting your way out of bed when you heard the news. Mean about the gold? Sure, sure. Enoch said he told you. Yes, yes. He, he told me. <laughs> well, you you believe him, don't you, Hiram? <laughs> well, I shouldn't have believed him. I knew it was a real thing when I first found it. I knew it was real. Still, maybe, maybe that was the sign. The the, the sign? What? That my life's over. Well, forty-five uh, years I spent looking for that yellow stuff. Well, now I finally found it. I, I ain't got no reason to go on looking. No reason at all. I found. It. <coughs> I'm awful tired, Brother. I'm awful tired. Well, you, you you're going to be a rich man, Hiram. Oh, I wasn't hunting. Oh, because it's making me rich, Brett. Oh, maybe when I was younger that was the reason, but lately, these past few years, I just wanted to prove to folks that I knew what I was talking about, so, that I wasn't catched like they thought. No, of course you are. Those ore samples prove it, Brett, so it ain't going to be too hard to die. Ain't going to be hard at all. I've done what I set out to do, so I reckon I'm luckier than most men. Well, I... That's one way of looking at it, I guess. Yeah, it goes to show you things work out for the best, but... For the best. Yeah. Well, uh, maybe Enoch did the right thing after all, so... Mm. Uh, 
Oh, nothing, nothing, Hiram, nothing. I, now, you better get some rest. Uh, you started to say something what? about Enoch. Uh, huh? Did I? Uh, yes, finish it up, Richard. What was that you were going to say? Uh, what, what I was going to say? Uh, well, now, you're a pretty sick man, Hiram. You, I wouldn't want to get you all upset. Uh, uh, upset? What are you driving at, Brad? Well, uh, you're weak and feeble, and it wasn't my idea, of course. Well, you, you don't mean that Enoch... Uh, was lying to me that that ore wasn't full of gold? Uh, now, I didn't say that. I knew um, Enoch I, Wilson uh... couldn't be trusted. So it's true uh, about my strike. Now, uh, uh, So they figured I, I was going to die. Didn't they? Then uh, they'd all have the laugh on me. But I ain't going to be that obliging. I'll get well if it kills me. Uh, and I'll find gold, too, right out there in those mountains where I always said I'd find it. Oh, they think they're going to soft-soap me into kicking the bucket, don't they? Oh, they do. Well, Britt, you just tell them different. I'd be glad to, Hiram. I sure would be glad to. Well, by the time Hiram got well and found out he was responsible for a genuine gold rush, well, there just wasn't much he could do about it. And the way the money poured in, and faster than Hiram could spend it, no matter how hard he tried, he sure went in for some fly-by-night schemes, too. Like that with that organizing a prospecting expedition to go up to Alaska in some place called the, Pond, uh, the Pl- Klondike, I think it was, something like that. Everybody knew he'd never find gold up in a place like that because uh, they're all expecting him to come back any day now and admit that it was just a wild goose chase. But, uh, but he he hasn't shown up last time I was through Clay City. Folks are beginning to wonder what's keeping him. The Six Shooter is a transcribed NBC Radio Network production in association with Review Productions. It is based on a character created by Frank Burt and is written by him. Mr. Stewart may soon be seen in the Universal International picture, The Glenn Miller Story. Others in the cast were Herb Vigran, Bill Johnstone, Barney Phillips, Tony Barrett, and Howard McNear, who played Hiram. Special music for this program was by Basil Adlam, and the entire production is under the direction of Jack Johnstone. All characters and incidents were fictitious, and any resemblance to actual characters or incidents is purely coincidental. This is Hal Gibney speaking. This is the NBC Radio Network. From January the 10th, 1954, that was James Stewart starring in The Six Shooter, the episode Hiram's Gold Strike. Up next, we have one of the most respected and longest-running radio programs of the Golden Age, and that is Gunsmoke. Gunsmoke, known today as the longest-running evening television program before The Simpsons overtook it, the radio program of Gunsmoke was heralded as the first Western for adults. Premiering in the 1952 season, it would run for 480 episodes over 10 seasons. Uh, 
What makes Gunsmoke so fantastic, in my humble opinion, is the writing and the acting. Main character, Matt Dillon, United States Marshal out of Dodge City, Kansas, is played by William Conrad. If you are an old-time radio fan, you will hear Conrad many times through your listens. His supporting cast is just as important, and what drew me to the show. You see, before I became obsessed with old-time radio as a teen, I had loved classic television. And many of the supporting characters are on my favorite classic television show, The Andy Griffith Show. Parley Bear, who played Mayor Stoner on The Andy Griffith Show, is Matt Dillon's deputy, Chester Proudfoot. Doc Ellis on the Gunsmoke radio program is played by Floyd the Barber, Howard McNear. And Kitty, the local saloon runner, is played by Georgia Ellis. In this episode, Matt Dillon meets an old acquaintance that comes to Dodge City, Doc Holliday. Here is Doc. Around Dodge City and in the territory on west, there's just one way to handle the killers and the spoilers, and that's with the U.S. Marshal and the smell of gun smoke. Preacher, I figure I'm making you dance some for the folks. You think you can hoorah me? Dude, I said dance. Dance or the next shot will take off one of your toes. I don't think I'd like that. Doc, no. All right, so I'm put up the gun. Marshal, you got a wild and woolly town here. Marshal, you move aside. I'm going to make this grinning dude kick up his heels for us. I'd say that might be quite a trick, Thorne. Unless he's changed a lot since I last met him. Have you, Doc? Not for the good, Matt. <laughs> I was afraid. You pasty faced tenderfoot. I said for Shut you. Shut up, to... Thorn. He's drunk, Doc. He's dead. You just don't know it yet. I'll take it good if you'd meet me later at my office. All right, Matt. To you. Well, that's sure a lot of talk. Now I'm going to shoot that dude's boot heels. Fire one shot and I'll pistol with you, Thorne. What's that? You're kind of forgetting who's holding a gun, ain't you? I wasn't forgetting. Oh, my wrist. You broke my wrist. I doubt it. Now let's go to jail. Oh, you can't put me in jail. I'm Thorne Finley. Move. Oh, you wait till I tell Big Jack about this. And I will, too. Do that. 
He might be grateful to me for saving your neck. You pulled some fool stomp stone, but you've never been closer to dying than just a minute ago. Do you mean from that fancy pants? Oh, I could handle six like him. That makes you a lot of men. I can name a dozen pretty good gun hands who can't handle one of it. What? That's Doc Holliday. worse, Doc. Yeah, I got orders to go to Arizona. <coughs> Air's dry there. Better for my lungs. Going? Thought I might. Wyatt invited me to visit him. He and Virgil and Morgan of the law down there. Some little mining town called Tombstone. <laughs> well, it sounds peaceful anyway. If it isn't, it will be by the time Wyatt Earp gets through. He is the peacemakingest man I ever met outside of you. <laughs> Matt, who was the teller head down at the depot, anyway? No, Thorn. He's just a spoiled kid. Kid? Couldn't be much younger than you. Sure, but Thorn never grew up. His father has coddled him and protected him and gotten him out of scrapes ever since he was a pup. He's never had to be a man. Not with Big Jack Wetner, isn't he? Big Jack. Big Jack Finley. Oh, you know him? I've heard of him. Well, that figures. He owns about half of Kansas. Star in a box runs more cows than he can count. Swings a lot of weight and dodge. Yeah, too much. Mr. Dillon? Mr. Dillon, somebody said that Doc Holliday had come into town today and he... Oh, excuse me. <laughs> it's all right, Chester. Why don't you shake hands with him? Don't mind if I shake with my left hand. It's kind of habit. Yeah, I know. Mr. Dillon has the same habit. He would. How about dinner tonight, Matt? Sure, sure. <laughs> How long will you be in Dodge? Not long. <coughs> Just till I finish a chore. Uh-huh. That uh, chore have anything to do with Big Jack Finley? Might say so. Gonna kill him. Got to close the door, Mr. Finley. You're going to turn my boy loose? Or I'm going to have to do it for you. You got a writ of habeas corpus? Writ? Thorn didn't commit no crime. The charges are drunk and disorderly, disturbing the peace, and attempted assault with a deadly weapon. I was. You still need a writ. But man, Judd Nathan does what I say, and you know it. Don't you think I can get a writ? I'm sure you can and will. You always do. Then what's the point, Dylan? It's just a lot of useless red tape. It's a law. Close the door on the way out. All right, Thorn. Didn't I tell you Big Jack would get me out? When are you going to learn you can't play? Save the speech. The law can't touch a Finley. You ought to get smart, Marshal. Like you? Sure, like me. Hi, Big Jack. You okay, son? Fine. 
Anything else, Mr. Finley? Why, yes. Uh, uh, my boy here is a little boisterous sometimes, I know. High-spirited, you understand? Uh-huh. So? So, I want to put a stop to all this nonsense of yours, arresting him every time he kicks up his heels a bit. Well, go on. Well, I'm offering you a job. Let's say, protecting my interests. Two hundred a month. And no work, naturally. <laughs> I see we understand each other perfectly. No work, of course. All I have to do is just shut my eyes whenever Junior here breaks the law, huh? I said we understand each other. There's no need to elaborate on it, Dylan. There's a big need. Only how do I explain to a person like you that some men don't wear a price tag? Huh? How do I explain how I feel about a so-called respectable citizen making the law his private doormat? Hey, you're nothing but the stupid gunman I've always thought you were. I understand you took the part of Doc Holliday against my son. I kept Thorn from committing suicide, yeah. You sided with a notorious killer against an important citizen of this community. Now I'm telling you, Dylan. Holiday. I don't want him in Dodge tomorrow. Doc may be a gunfighter, but he's clear with the law, Finley, and a better man than your son will ever be. What? Why, I... That hurts, doesn't it? You... I'm serving notice, Marshal. You run that killer out of Dodge City, or I'll do it myself. Big Jack Finley. Cattleman and self-made king of southern Kansas. No better or worse than most of the men carving empires out of the West. Until love for his son blinded him to the fact that Thorn Finley had gone bad... From here on, I knew the war was on between Big Jack and me. So Big Jack Finley's going to run me out of town, huh? No. Unless I do it first. Oh? I do something naughty, man? Well, you threatened a man's life. <laughs> that. <laughs> and just between friends, man. Anything else, Doc? Not murder. Murder? I can give him an even break. With you, that's still murder. Uh, don't you think you better tell me about it? Mm-hmm. What if I don't tell you? Now, then my job's to warn Finley and try to protect him. You're a tough man to be friends with, Matt. That applies to you, too, doesn't it? Guess maybe it does at that. Didn't realize I put you on the spot by spouting off my good intentions. Sorry. Ah, oh, forget it, forget it. You want to talk to me? <laughs> All right. Remember a girl named Ruth Davis? Mm-hmm. Died in a riding accident a few months ago. Always wondered if that wasn't suicide. She lost her brother two weeks before that. No accident. No suicide. You sure? Sure. You know, Ruth and her brother ran the ranch alone. Mm-hmm. A man started pestering Ruth, and she hated him. The brother kicked the man off the ranch. This fellow dragged Gulf's Ruth's brother made it look like a robbery. You have any proof of this? Yeah. Ruth was afraid to go to the law, so she sent a letter to me. Here, read it yourself. She says the man was Finley and says she expects him to try and shut her up for good. Well, that doesn't mean it's Big Jack. I went to see Ruth's folks. They had her belongings. Among them, I found this. Hmm. Watch chain. Engraved J.F. on the clasp. Jack Finley. You see why I've got to kill him, Matt? He forced Ruth's horse over that cliff, sure. 
But do you still think she died accidental? No. But who's responsible is something for a court to decide. Court? With Finley's money and influence, he wouldn't spend five days in jail even if he was convicted, which he wouldn't be. He doesn't own the court. Maybe not, but it's still the most powerful man in the state against a dead girl whose only friend is Doc Holliday. How do you think a judge will decide? Doc, I'm going to ask you a favor. Make it one I can give. I got an idea, but uh, you must let me handle it my way. Give the law a chance. All right, Matt, I can wait. Thank you. I'll keep this letter in chain for a while. All right, but if the law fails, I'll brace Big Jack Finley when he walks out of the courthouse. Then you'll be bracing two men, Doc. Finley and me. Gunsmoke in just a moment, but first... 
Don't forget, starting Monday, CBS Radio's tremendous news staff will start bringing you the complete coverage of the Democratic Convention in Chicago. As you found during the Republican Convention, CBS Radio never misses. So, starting Monday, stay with CBS Radio all day and evening for the Democratic Convention. Now, the second act of Gunsmoke. Save me some bruises. One I owe you, friend Matt. It's my job. Still one I owe you. There he is. Wrap him up. All right, stop right there. I'll shoot the man who takes another step. You think you're going to stop us, Dylan? I think so. Me and Doc. Doc. Show him, Doc. Sure thing, Marshal. Look, boys, surprise. I sure do love surprises. Dylan, I've got a dozen men with me. Well, sure, about six of them will die, Finley, if you don't crawl out of here fast. And guess who'll die first, Big Jack? You there, Moncrief. I always figured you for some brains. Get your boss out of here, quick. Sure talking sense, Big Jack. Shut up, Moncrief. You showing yellow. Oh, but, man, there's nothing here for us to die over. Listen to him, Finley. That greener Doc is holding has 18 buckshot in each barrel. He'll get slaughtered if he triggers that thing. And I'm getting edgy, Finley. And me, if I get a coffin spell, I'm liable to shoot without meaning to. All right, all right. <coughs> this is twice you have made a Finley back down. You'll never get a third chance. Let's get out of here. Matt, when are you going to arrest him? When I'm ready. Not long. I hope not. Getting impatient to see that man dead. I, uh, got your message, Marshal. I hope it's important. It is, Moncrief. How long have you been foreman for Big Jack? Fifteen, sixteen years. You know him pretty well. Would he be the kind to kill a girl? No, of course not. Because he'd kill a man if he got mad enough that he wouldn't kill no girl, Marshal. Well, I have proof that he did. A girl and her brother. But it doesn't set right. I'm hoping you can help. What's your proof, Marshal? A letter that names Finley as the man. Ruth Davis wrote it before she died. Ruth Davis. And this watch chain was found with her belongings. It's engraved on the back. I know. I uh, was with Big Jack when he bought this chain in Chicago. 
It was right after his wife died. Big Jack wear it all the time? Mm. You, uh, rode the right hunch, Marshal. What? Thorne is your man, just like you figure. He had a yen for the Davis girl, but he kept it quiet. Because he didn't want it known, she throwed him over. But the watch chain... Big Jack gave that to Thorne on his 25th birthday. Whole ranch can testify to that. Mm. Good. All right, thank you, Moncrief. You, uh, gonna try and arrest Thorne? Why? If Big Jack believes Thorne killed that girl, it'll break his heart. Broke her neck. If he don't believe it, then he'll protect Thorne. And, Marshal, there's not enough lawmen in the state of Kansas to make Big Jack give up his son. Wonder which has heard the worst. Uh-uh. What's that? Uh, why, I... Uh, Judge, I'm here on business. Oh, of course. Uh, come in, won't you? In my study here, so we won't be disturbed. Now, what is it, Marshal? I want you to swear out a warrant for Thorn Finley's arrest. Charge murder. I'm sure. <coughs> All right, hold up your right hand. Oh, no, Matt, you wouldn't make me a lawman. If you go, you go as my deputy. I'm not letting you make this a private fight. And yeah, with my friends, if they hear I wore a star. All right, Matt, it's your show. You swear to uphold and enforce the laws of this community, the state of Kansas, and the United States to the best of your ability as deputy marshal, so help you God. All of that? All of that. I swear. Here, pin on this badge. All right, man. You know, I'm feeling this badge is going to cramp my style something terrible. Better breathe our horses going up through this pass. We've still got a good ride ahead. How far? Oh, about ten miles. Mm Mm-hmm. What do you think, Matt? Will they fight? Well... Doc! Doc! Stay in your horse, Marshal. Grab some clouds. Keep those hands high. Your queen's on the other side of the pass behind you. That's being smart, Dylan. Queen will drop you if you touch her gun butt. You're handy at this bushwhacking, aren't you, Thorne? If Doc He's all right. My slug seems to have bounced off his thick skull. Good. Let's pull your teeth. Better you do it. With your left hand, reach down and across slow. 
Pull your gun out with your fingertips and toss it away. Nervous? Just cautious. Or maybe this queen doesn't exist, huh, Thorn? Queen! Queen's one of Dad's men, but uh, I pay him extra to work for me. Any more questions? I guess not. There's my gun. The rifle next. I, uh... I got a penknife in my pants pocket. You know why Holiday came to Dodge? Yeah. Yeah, I guess you do. You wouldn't be riding with him. Well, he's not going to tell any stories to my dad or anyone else. Uh, you can't kill us, you Not planning on killing you. And what have you got planned? A queen's kind of a magician. He's going to make Holiday just disappear. Folks won't care much about one of his kinds. I would. I'd care so much I'd hang you for it. No. No, with Holiday gone, it's your word against mine. And you won't be able to approve a thing, Dylan. You sure of that? I'm sure. Otherwise, I'd take care of you along with Holiday. Now get out and start walking back to town. It's like I told you. Law can't touch a Finley. It was no time for heroics, so I walked. When I reached a turn, I cut back through the rocks, but it was too late. They were gone. And with them, the horses, guns, and Doc Holliday. Two miles up the road, I found my horse turned loose. And with a mind full of cold hate, I raced onto the star in a box. On the front porch of the ranch house was one of Big Jack's men. Hold it right there. Out of my way, mister. I'm in no mood to shake hands. Where are you heading, law man? You don't hear well. Where's Holiday? Friendly? How should I know? Get off my ranch. And where's that prize son of yours? What? Trot him out. I want him. Do you now? What on earth for? Thorn, put that gun away. Oh, no. This is just in case the marshal loses his temper. I've lost it, Junior. Sure. Dylan, I've had all I'm going to stand from you. You just think you have. Where's Holiday, Thorn? Where'd Queen take him? Holiday? Why, well, I haven't the faintest idea. Where is Queen, Dad? The righty fence line, but... Would... See, Marshal, we don't know where your friend is. You're under arrest, Thorn. What's that? Ask him to show the warrant. Here. Read it, Finley. What? Oh, no. No, th th that's not possible. The judge wouldn't issue a warrant without proof. He has proof, Thorn. This is a lie. Thorn couldn't be guilty of murder. No. Take a look at his face. Son. Daddy's trying to frame me. D don't let him get away with this. No, I won't. I won't. Get out, Dylan. Man, open your eyes. This is not going to help you. You heard me. I don't believe you, your warrant, or your proof. I believe my son. So get off this ranch. Get out of the state. You let me see you again, so help me, I'll kill you myself. Forget me. You're bucking the law. You can't I'm do my own law. You so do I. Doc Holliday. But you're supposed to be dead. Queen was supposed Queen's to... Queen's the one who's dead. I carry a knife in my boot just for men like him. Hmm. Thorn, God help me. You are guilty. He sure is. And if he knows any prayers, he'd better get them over with. No, Doc. He goes back with us as our prisoner. You're wrong, Marshal. I'll take care of my son. Dad, 
Steve, no. You rotten, lying, murderous. Please, pup. please don't. I that. should have strangled Stand you in the cradle when you Stand were. Stand away from the shoot! Don't shoot you all! Manley, look out! I threw myself at Fenway and both of us hit the floor, rolling away from Thorn as he raised his gun to fire. Then in the doorway, the blood-stained, terrible figure of Doc Holliday went into action. His pale hands blurred over his holster. Uh, the Ruth Thorn! Ruth? Thanks, Chester. You sure you won't stay around a while, Doc? Yeah, we're good friends, Matt, but you're a peace officer. I guess I'm not a very peaceful man. <laughs> you could be, Doc. <laughs> no, I'm not going to change, and you shouldn't. Law needs men like you. No, if I stayed, there's too good a chance I might cross you. Yeah. Then I'd have to meet you over gun barrels, and it's one thing I'm afraid of. So long, Matt. Good luck, Doc. My. I never would have thought Doc Holliday was scared of meeting anyone in a gunfight. Hmm. You don't understand, Chester. Doc's afraid because he might beat me. Gunsmoke, under the direction of Norman MacDonald, stars William Conrad as Matt Dillon, U.S. Marshal. Tonight's story was specially written for Gunsmoke by Herb Purdom, with music composed and conducted by Rex Corey. Featured in our cast were Harry Bartell as Doc Holliday, with Lee Millar, Nestor Piva, Ralph Moody, and Tom Tully. Parley Bear is Chester. Join us again next week. As Matt Dillon, U.S. Marshal, fights to bring law and order out of the wild violence of the West in Gunsmoke. Sunday evening, we invite you to join lovely Doris Day, Spring Byington playing a December bride, and Audrey Totter as Millie. They're here on most of these same CBS radio stations. This is Roy Rowan speaking. This is the CBS Radio Network. From July the 19th, 1952, that was Gunsmoke with Doc Holliday. 
That does it once again for our episode of Old Time Radio Forever. Be sure to check every Sunday night. There will be a new episode uploaded to your favorite podcast directory. If you like Old Time Radio Forever, be sure to give it a positive review and a share on all of your podcast directories. Also, be sure to check with our sponsor, Anchor.fm. Anchor.fm has allowed many podcasters, like myself, to pursue something that they truly enjoy. With my background in broadcasting and having a little bit of extra time on my hands now that football season is over, my play-by-play duties are gone, so I have the ability to make shows that I truly care about. And being able to bring old-time radio forever to all of the great listeners that subscribe to it is a true labor of love. Anchor.fm can allow you to have that type of experience as well. No matter what type of interest you have, there's always somebody looking for a podcast on that topic. So remember to check out Anchor.fm for all of your podcast needs. And until next Sunday night, good night, everybody.